Welcome to the 104th edition of the Gouda Podcast, recorded on the Monday night before Manchester City's visit to Arsenal. This podcast is sponsored by Goonashirts.com, the finest website for all your Arsenal t-shirts. I'm your host, David Edo, and remaining with me from the podcast just recorded are Tim Payton, Tim Stillman and Lindsay Melrose. Lindsay, starting with you, um, Jack Wilshire. Remember him, he used to play for us a long time ago. I mean, I had hair in those days, it was ages ago. I mean, do you think he should be played before the end of the season, if indeed he is fit? And if so, do you think he'll be called up for the Euros if he doesn't appear for Arsenal, or if he does appear for Arsenal? Well, it's such a difficult one, because we've seen so many players rush back from injury with enthusiasm to want to play. And, you know, Jack's the kind of player that always wants to play, isn't he? He's going to want to play, he's going to desperately want to play in that tournament at the end of the season and I think some of the tweets that he's been putting out which has uh, got some of the Arsenal fans on the outrage bus have, have been directed at his desire to play for England dramatically um, I, I wouldn't risk him for Arsenal if, if he's not going to be fit but I can see why the lad would probably try and push himself into the team again If he's fit he should play mm. whether it's for Arsenal or England I'd agree with Lindsay let's make sure he's 100% fit mm-hmm. but if he is fit I'd say send him out with England there's nothing better for the guy than to be back in a football environment, playing games. And actually, after almost a year, if he gets his match fitness with England, then Arsenal benefit, because he will be rusty and it will take a few games. Mm. It'll be his so, first season, um, And then, you know, if he doesn't play with them, it'll be, you know, slogging around Nigeria and the <laughs> Far East with a, you know, probably an equal, equal-ish chance of injury in one of those games as as with England so when he's fit and ready he's got to be on the football pitch and one last point not to be contrary but you know if you're poor old Diaby and you don't play all season you're a, you're a total waste of space and time to go but if you're Jack Wilshere it's clearly slightly different although I know there's a longer history to it <laughs> yeah. than that but again we do take different approaches to different players don't we depending on in many ways what we think more widely of that player um, Mr Stillman I mean do you think that, I mean Wenger came out and said yes of course if he's fit and he wants to play for England he can play for England but there's no way he's going to the fucking Olympics by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination I mean do you think there's a, there's a part of Wenger which is secretly thinking you know what if he comes back for two games at the end of the season I'd be more than happy if he then spends the summer on the beach doing absolutely fuck all football wise um, I think there might be a part of him that would think that but I think uh, we're at such a stage of the season now where if Jack can be of any use to us, um, I'm sure he'll be utilised. Um, at the end of the day, we're going to have to get used to the fact that Jack Wilshere is going to be an international player. There's no way of getting around it. Eventually, he is going to play every game for England when he's fit. He's going to go to tournaments every summer. We're going to have to deal with it sooner or later. Um, if his first experience is after a year out injured, um, I agree. I, I don't think it would be a terrible thing. I don't think this year off will be terrible for him either because he had such a good season last year um, that such is the psyche of the English public that your second season you come back and no matter what you do, you'll be ripped to shreds. And actually, 
I think this might just temper the expectation for him a little bit. Um, and perhaps he can go out, play for England, um, you know, get rid of his rustiness there, uh, have his first tournament because he's going to play in international tournaments in his career unless he does something horribly wrong or something bad happens. He's going to play in them for most of his career. So um, if this is his introduction to that, I think it could be a lot worse personally. So if he's fit and he's ready to play and he can be of some use to us, do it, I say. So if you're one of those situations where we do want to see him score the winning goal in the World Cup or the European Championships final, but at the same time don't go down holding your knee by any <laughs> God's stretch of imagination. Going from one of the aces in our squad to the other one, um, Tim Payton, Ju Young Park. Um, can, can you explain exactly what's gone wrong with this man who apparently has put off his uh, national service uh, for the best part of 10 years? I mean, is there something about this signing that doesn't seem quite right? There's also, we, uh, I understand recently we've paid another 3 million euros to Monaco. I would love to get to the bottom of this story. I think it's going to take at least one more year. You know, one more year? We're not going to send him back to Lille or Monaco in the summer? I'm more thinking that for someone involved in the transfer to own up and say what was going on. I mean, perhaps this is just, you know, Arsenal likes to gamble on the, on the clever signing, if you like, plucking someone out, you know, who no one has been looking at and turning them into a star. Sometimes I think you become a little bit, you know, obsessed with that. You know, I, you know, I was told by someone in the club that the two players he was most excited about this summer were Rio and Carl Jenkinson because that's, that for him is what he loves to do. Find the unknown, nurture them, talent them, coach them and bring them on. He's a developmental coach, isn't he? Absolutely. Rather than by the star player. And sometimes I think that's where philosophy can get in the way of pragmatism and delivering now. But on Park, I mean, there was some on a on a website called Sporting Intel, a brilliant website, did some figures of of the reach that Manchester United's Park gives them into Korea. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure he's paying for himself and about four of his teammates just in terms of merchandise and yeah. profile. Perhaps Arsenal thought they'd have their own park. Um, and finally, you know, Matt Scott, uh, you know, now of the Daily Telegraph, assures me that that Park has been told he's got at least one more year at the club and he'll still be around next year. Now, whether that's pragmatism, because on the contract we gave him, he's not going anywhere else anyway, <laughs> or whether Arsenal just thinks it's a particularly long acclimatising period, I, I don't really know. Yeah. But um, how many yeah. minutes on the pitch? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen him play for the reserves now a couple of times, um, and I've seen him and Shamak play in the same reserve side. And in fairness to Park, he at least looks like he can find the goal without the need for uh, luminous, <laughs> luminous signalling, um, at, at, at the very least. Um, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I'm sure that there is a, a commercial aspect to the decision to, to buy him. I did see something very, very interesting um, a couple of weeks ago about the games he's actually played in 2012. And he's come off the bench against Manchester United, against AC Milan. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember <laughs> what the other game was, but it was, it was a pretty high-profile game um, he came off the bench on. It's a good uh, job we haven't got Melchester Rovers next week. It's <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's that cynical um, in terms of marketing, but it, it, it was quite interesting that he'd come on in those games. Um, Personally, I've, I've got no idea um, <laughs> what's behind it. I don't know if it's a panic buy, whether it's what Tim says, that he saw some potential that he wanted to coach out and obviously he's not fancied him in training. Um, 
or or whether it was you know uh, there was it was solely commercial um, I've got no idea I think it's a mystery up there with crop circles personally Lindsay I've, I've spoken to the two guys around the table they're not sure what's in it I mean aside from Jiang Park perhaps being a Korean anagram of Almunia that plays up front um <laughs> Is there anything you can see or um, know secretly about Ju Young? I'm absolutely baffled. It's either exactly what the boys have said, that it is something to do with a, a few pound notes coming in from abroad, especially if he has been picked in those games where the television and, and the focus is going to be on the club. Um, or he just... I mean, we weren't the only club interested in him, were we? I mean, Well, we stole it off Leo at the last minute. And pissed them off really doing it. So we must have had some kind of aggression to buy him and, and want him and somebody else wanted him. But no, why not play him? I don't get it. We're doing a lot of favours for Leo, actually. I mean, we took Jovino off them. Um, <laughs> you know, we stole Ju Young Park from them and they ended up signing Joe Cole. Well, and they're we doing could, really yeah. well in France. <laughs> there is a... Perhaps some logic to that Seriously. theory. And I hear that it hasn't particularly worked in Korea anyway, because isn't Korea furious that we are ruining their captain by not giving him any games? I'm hearing that Koreans are extremely unhappy that, you know, their captain and sort of star striker for the international Although team... Although he still seems to knock in plenty of goals. Every time he goes away against yeah. them, I hear he's If you played against Lebanon yeah. or whatever else <laughs> Korea play, you'd get, you'd get one or two. I, I imagine I would. I'm very good. <laughs> Part, part of me would absolutely love it if Ivan Gazidis gets a phone call tomorrow from the uh, the sports minister of South Korea saying, I understand you're in this part of the world in the summer. Come in, play a game, it'll be fine. When did we sign that sponsorship deal with LNG and where are they from? LNG, that was around June, wasn't it? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being far too cynical. Let's, let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on. I wouldn't want the Arsenal commercial department thinking I well, felt it, that he was tossed in with a deal in any way. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate to go, go on this question. Bear in mind, we've just talked about Ju Young Park. I mean, focus on Jack and players of, of that standard. Um, Mr. Payton, bear in mind everything that's sort of happened in the last seven games. Someone's Rosicki coming back to his good. Ramsey being played in two two different positions. Arguably our first choice centre half being out injured and Kashoni doing well. Johan Jury doing well for one game he has to come in. Do you think we're in a position now we've got enough competition for places? We might have competition. We haven't got enough good players competing for places and actually being a bit more serious about the park situation it's still a salary of a couple million pounds a year that could go elsewhere it's you know add that on top of what robin's getting paid now and you're probably not that far off what you've got to pay robin so you know there are actually detrimental elements to this you can also only sign so many overseas players and get stuck um, and if it was just park it wouldn't be so serious but what about vela what about shamak bentner you know, he's doing a bit better. Perhaps some of them will, will, will want him, but maybe he'll get sent back. There's an awful lot to do mm. this summer. Yeah, awesome. uh, you, uh, you, can, you, can, you can go on Don't with <laughs> more. We won't think, and, and several others. We know one or two contracts are running out. But Arsenal will finish this season with a wage bill of almost 140 million. You could probably find 25 to 30 million on that that is unproductive. Mm. And that's a a huge lost opportunity if you're talking about Theo and Robin's bigger contracts or who we want to sign to go in their place and I do feel and I know I sometimes get seen as always having a critical eye but we are in danger I think of, of letting our acceptance levels with Arsenal become in third or fourth that should be what we settle for in my view if we've given a bloody good go at winning the league mm. and actually if I look at the finishing positions of the last five years fourth third fourth third fourth and I think you know 
we should at the very least be expecting to compete for the title even if we don't win it accepting the big money there and I still think we're four or five players really really good players away from being in that position mm. and there's some you know a couple of them are injured and it's about a couple of really good signings this summer to get us back to that level or we accept our new position which is we have these kind of tense run-ins to finish yeah, yeah. in a Champions League place uh, Mr Stilwell what do you think do you think we're in the stage now we've got very good competition for places or like an awful lot of Arsenal fans you can't wait for the summer and Lucas Podolski uh, I, th I think in certain positions we've got very good competition. Um, I think in the wide positions, uh, when everyone's fit, I think we've got good options there. Um, Rosicki's emerged and Rosicki and Ramsey, I think, are, um, are two good options there. I think there's um, a degree to which the team is still um, acclimatising to not having Fabregas and having someone more in a Gerrard kind of role actually there. Um, but I think there's good options there. Um, I do think defensive midfield, we might, we could probably do the signing as much as I like someone like Coquelin, um, but not everywhere. And I think, I think the main position we can all see that there is a real, real dearth of quality is up front. Um, and I can't understand why in January more wasn't done about that. Hmm. Um, you know, bringing in Henri for six weeks was one thing, but the manager knew that he didn't rate Shamak and Park in January because he hasn't used them since. Um, so he knew that. But I think the answer to your but question there is they knew what they wanted to do and it was Podolsky. He couldn't be persuaded to true. come in January because he wanted to basically stay, play and get picked, guaranteed to get picked mm -hmm. for the German team. Arsenal, and maybe, you know, this is the right thing, we don't want to spend a lot of money on a stopgap no. So Thierry Henry came in and filled the gap for a little while, and we're just having to, you know, make do okay. till the end of the season to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still think that's 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 a pretty big gamble because even now, if uh, if Van Persie goes down now, um, instantly we go from being favourites for third, probably to. Um, everyone tipping us to finish outside the top They four. gambled in several positions. I think they gambled appallingly leaving the left-back empty for so long. When yep. you think about, you know, you're not talking about world-class, but pay a couple of million pounds for a loan signing. It's the difference yep. of 40 million if you make mm. the Champions League. I, there's other weaknesses to me. The right-back position, if Sanya goes down, I don't think a player who still hasn't played 20 competitive matches mm. in his entire career should be Arsenal's backup. Fullback. I mean, strengthen that position and maybe let Carl Jenkinson play a full year on loan somewhere. Mm. And maybe this is slightly controversial, but the central defensive positions, I rate for Marlon, I rate Mertesecker, but I think they're both good. I'm not convinced they're, again, at that standard I talk about, if Arsenal were going to win the league or come close to winning the league. And that, that's the problem. They are good players. I can rate them. They'll yeah. do a good job there. Yeah. But are they going to keep, are they going to get us back to only letting in 25 goals a season, not 45 to 50? I don't think either of them are quite at that notch. I think they're players that get a team fourth, not first. Mm. Lindsay, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think there's there's fair and good quality competition places in our side at the moment, or are you really really worried about Van Persie going down with a torn hamstring, or is it just made you realise actually if Chesney broke both of his legs, we'd be absolutely fucked forever? Well, they're the two players that you worry about, aren't they? Those two that you've just said, because if you look at our backup options, we've got two that Wenger doesn't want to play, and two that the Arsenal faithful don't want to play and go. 
Um, I think most of us would like to play rather than getting our moonie back. Um, <laughs> obviously, we've got Scratchy. There's There are so many, unfortunately, below-par players that are on our wage bill at the moment, and that has got to be the priority of the summer because, like everyone said before, that will free us up with some money. Mm. We might have to take a massive hit on a couple of them, but to get them off the wage bill... You know, obviously, we're not going to get the, the kind of bids coming in for Bentler or, or anyone else <coughs> like Vela. Maybe we might for Vela because he's, he's not doing too bad in Spain. But it is it is going to be building a squad again and having a competitive squad where there are... You know, you look at Theo, and the minute you start seeing some emergence or some talent around him, he ups his game. That's what a competitive team does. And we've been guilty of having some below-par players and some lazy players that know they're going to get picked week in, week out, and then where's their motivation to improve when they're earning X amount every week anyway and they know they're going to be in that starting eleven? And it's complacency. I think there's uh, there's another point there in that um, on Saturday, for example, um, a game like QPR, we're not playing well, it's not going for us, we're not creating much. Um, the manager looks at his bench and the answer was to bring Shemak on <laughs> with all the best will in the world. Um, you know, there have been a few games like that where we just haven't had the options to bring from the bench uh, to come in and really, really change a game for us, uh, real game changers. Um, there's, there's no one that warms up that you get the hairs on the back of your head yeah. and you think, he's coming on now, we're saved, we've got the hero, we've got the moment. You, you just look at that thing, you? It's depressingly, yeah. the only, only play we think of about it is the 18-year-old Ox. Yeah. God bless yeah. yeah, it's it's an odd one, but... You know, th- there's one question we'll have to look at. We've all been looking at it over the course of this season because, in fairness, he's gone from being an injury-prone, stroppy left-footer to actually being the best centre forward in the universe. Lindsay, can Arsenal challenge next season if Robin van Persie does the thing, which we're all kind of fearful of, that he says, I gave it a really, really long, hard thought, but I'm fucking off for the money to Man City. Well, no one, in fairness, thought that we would be anywhere near getting Champions League after we lost who we lost in this summer. There is always life after players. You know, Arsenal will continue to survive. It is who they replace them with and do we trust them to replace them with anyone, you know, of quality and spend the money that it would take. I I really don't want to see Robin go because I think he's got the Arsenal attitude. Mm. He's a big fan's favourite. I think he says the right things. He does the right things. He's got that little bit of naughty that I like about him where he'll get stuck in and have a bit of gob as well. Not to the point of Joey Barton, but... You know, just to the point of riling it up. If we lost Van Persie, you know, it wouldn't be a happy day for Coolers, would it? There's no argument about it. What can you say? Uh, Mr. Payton, is it just one Podolski we need, or is he like the first name of three or four centre forwards we need on the street, just to make sure we compete next year? Well, if Robin Van Persie goes, uh, sorry, yeah, if you Robin goes, excuse me, you, yeah. you, you know. Um, I'm sure that Podolsky is kind of meant to be back up complementary to Van Persie, but there is an element that it's part of the solution being put in place as well. I mean, I'm with, you know, I'm with Lindsay's attitude that it's kind of like the king is dead, long live the king, and actually sometimes teams move on, but it will be an incredible challenge without Robin because you'll probably also have the situation that the fee for him won't be at the level that will find a replacement mm-hmm. because he's 29 and with a year left um, you know I think that, you know the, the, the Nasri fee had a large element of his age and the potential in it and the fact that City so badly cocked it up that they got caught tapping him up in an interview that Mancini gave and that in effect I think they paid an extra 5 million just to get out of the grief that might have caused so you know the circumstances in which Robin leave do look quite bleak but I still think that Arsenal need two or three 
players that cost almost 20 something when you buy them 15 to 20 because on the whole those players arrive and deliver for you yep. when you buy the player that costs between 8 and 12 it is a lot more hit and miss I think next year we will work out whether or not I think Jovinho has been a success because I think you have to allow the second season mm. with the overseas players but it was quite a lot of money and the jury's probably out isn't it on whether or yeah. not that was 12 million well spent Mm. sometimes you spend that little bit more and you get it you know you get that quality a bit more as long as you're not Kenny Dalglish but you know <laughs> that's just bizarre and you know his mistake was to think he could do what he did in the 80s and buy big out of England mm. where actually the first touches aren't good enough and mm. one or two areas like that but yeah Arsenal I, I really think they need to spend 50 to 80 million this summer if this is this is if we want them competing with the two Manchester clubs mm. if we want them kind of fighting to stay above Spurs and Newcastle then this squad is good enough with a bit of luck on the injuries well you look at Barcelona who've won the uh, European Champions League for the last two years what did they do last summer they went and bought Fabregas for £35 million pounds, or there or thereabouts uh, and Alexis Sanchez who was also relatively expensive but having said that we got selection of players for not very much money at all Mr Stillman what do you think um, do you think it will be the case where Van Persie's and says, you know, we're not going to make a decision until the 30th of August. You know, if you say that you're going to buy this player, this player, this player, then okay, do that because it'd be great to team up with them. If it gets to that point, I'm going to make it very, very clear. I'm not going to sign a new contract and we'll see what happens the following summer. I don't think he will do that. I think, um, I think a lot of it is tied up with, I genuinely think he wants to stay at Arsenal if... Um, and I dread the phrase because I know it's usually a kind of almost like a pseudonym for something else but if we can match his ambition um, and if we can put the players around him I do genuinely think it's that I don't think that that's another way of saying give me more money um, because I think Robin with all the best will in the world knows that there are three or four clubs out there who can pay him 200 grand a week if he wants it um, and this isn't even a game of cat and mouse anymore this is I'm off see you later um, Although I, I would like the situation where Wenger says I've accepted a bid from Anzi Mashakala. <laughs> you know go that. and have a talk with him, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, please. But, but I mean, I, I, you know, I, I genuinely, perhaps naively, think that he does have a connection with the club. Um, and I, I totally chime with what Lindsay says. I think um, he's one of those players that gets Arsenal. He gets what it means to be an Arsenal player. Mm. Um, and it's not just that he's really, really good that the supporters respond to him. Um, it's that he seems to understand that there's something special about representing this club. Um, so I don't think um, he'll wait till the 30th of August. I do think that one of the things that will be spoken about around the negotiation table is um, not so much what you're going to offer me in terms of salary, but what you're going to offer me in terms of playing squad around me. Um, because frankly the guys dug us out of quite a lot of holes <laughs> this year and I'm sure he'd like a bit of a hand yeah absolutely Lindsay. it's interesting because we've got a guy who um, who translates some of the Dutch um, interviews for us at Dollar Talk and um, you know they ask him very different questions to what the English media get and also listen to Robin speaking in his native tongue and he's very expansive and it's really fascinating to listen to what he watches and they give him such a hard time about Arsenal they really do they, I mean it's constant in his face about us not winning anything where he can get trophies from and his responses are absolutely a joy to listen to you know the way he articulately argues with the, the values of Arsenal Football Club what he thinks about playing for us what 
what he enjoys about living in London. And, and you do get the feeling that he's there to stay. Cesc was such a different thing because his heart was half in Barcelona as well as other issues that he had with playing at Arsenal. But I think Robin is there for the keeping, should we match his ambition. Um, purely because we're running out of time and there are a million different things we can talk about on the team itself um, questions I've got written in front of me like does, does Wenger have what it takes to actually beat the odds um, what's going on with Pat Rice will he be allowed to retire this summer sub that we're Arsenal fans I want to talk about Arsenal fans to finish this off there's, there's a huge percep- perception that the atmosphere has believe it or not improved at home matches this season Mr Stillman do you think this is wishful thinking or have you noticed a genuine difference um, I, I definitely have noticed a difference and I agree with that actually. I think um, one of the best atmospheres um, this season, strangely enough, was uh, the first home game of the season when we lost to Liverpool when the squad was in disarray. We finished with Henry Lansbury at right back that day. <laughs> um, Henry Lansbury currently can't get on Sam Allardyce's bench at West Ham. Um, that's how bad the squad was. The fact that Frimpong was sent off was yeah. a deciding factor in us losing a game. Um, and you know we had to play Samir Nasri who I'd been at Newcastle the week before and some very unflattering <laughs> things had been sung about him and there we were seven days later faced with him in the starting lineup. Um so I mean it's, it's, it was huge disarray um, really that game and we lost it um, but actually uh, I, I, I recall the atmosphere being really really good that day and I recall at the final whistle as well um, you know, we had players like Lansbury was on, Jenkinson was on, Frimpong had played and been mm. sent off. Um, and I recall they got a really good ovation um, after losing 2 0 to Liverpool. And I think there is almost um, a gallows sense. Mm. Uh, it gets so bad that people feel that they Absolutely. have to regroup and, and get behind things. It does. It's funny yeah. how it changes so quickly. Also, I think when people feel that the outside world are looking at fans to turn they kind of show their loyalty mm. and then you sometimes get explosions of if you like criticism coming out of nowhere a bit faster yeah. than you'd expect I think the outside environment influences it but over the season it's been good and although it was an away game being I actually didn't go with Tim but was about four seats away at Old Trafford mm. and there was something about that that I would always remember as Arsenal fans one of their best ever games because mm. it was almost as it disintegrated on the pitch it was kind of like well we're not going anywhere and we're behind the team and we're going to mm. show we care when we're there mm. so it, it's, it's been very sort of uplifting at times yeah. to go through this difficult period with and Arsenal. I think um, a big factor behind um, atmosphere lulling sometimes is to put it plainly, boredom, because every season seems to turn out the same. Uh, we promise a lot. We fall away at the end in the Cups. We fall away at the end uh, again in the league, and we finish third or fourth. And actually, supporters do get uh, bored of that kind of Groundhog Day scenario. And actually, at the beginning of this season, particularly, we're faced with the scenario that actually we might not even get that. Mm. Um, whereas fourth was a disaster last May, this May, that will feel like a success. Yeah. Um, and actually uh, that sense that it's just not boring anymore because actually we gave ourselves a massive handicap Mm. and unwittingly perhaps we made the season exciting for ourselves in that we made um, finishing third or fourth uh, something attainable, realisable, exactly. Mm. Whereas in the past it hasn't felt like that, it's felt a bit like a wooden spoon. Lindsay, are you enjoying going to watch the Arsenal at the moment and is everyone around you, uh, you still in club level? Uh, yes. Is it all right down there? <coughs> still? Still, I, I'm not asking you sarcastically. They still read their books. 
Oh. Um, I, I think our away support this year, um, more than any other year, but generally uh, have been phenomenal. They have outsung the home support in most places they go. We've been, Blackburn, we've been on a hiding to nothing, and they're up there till the final whistle, doing us proud. The problem has always been the Emirates, isn't it? It's always been a bit flat. To me, we seem to have had, as a group, a lot more patience this season. For example, the Newcastle game where we were just waiting and waiting. There was none of that, oh, at every misplaced pass. It wasn't transmitting to the team. It was, it was actually more of a sense of expectancy that actually we're going to turn this around and the fans playing their part in all of that. Mm. And I think a lot of it has been to do with the fact that every fucker is hitting us with a stick at the moment and it gets boring. There's also been a lot of infighting amongst fans. Let's not bullshit about that. It's been kicking yeah. off on Twitter, it's kicked off on Facebook, it's kicked off in the grounds, it's kicked off in the pub. And I think it has been a question of like, if we're going down, let's go down together and let's go down singing. And that is what being a football fan's all about. That 90 minutes, you can talk all the politics, you can talk all the finances, you can sit here until the cows come home and debate about what Wenger should do next week and what I should do if I was his, in his job. But that 90 minutes is why we go. That adrenaline, that excitement, the hero, the villain, the, the moment. And if you can't enjoy that, and if you forget that that's why you go, you might as well give up. And there might be an element of the fact that some of the good time boys have stopped going because the results haven't been going their way. Maybe we're not as attractive to these people and maybe some of the more loyal fans or some people who just don't get to go and see Arsenal often because they've been priced out of it for whatever reason are now going. So when they are going, they're appreciating what's going on more. And I've got to say, I think it makes a massive difference. Mm. Our home has never felt like a fortress. It's never felt like somewhere where opposition fans would come and, you know, they outsing us. You know, that's not how it should be. That's our home. And, and for one thing, I've been really proud of the home support over the last sort of 10, 10, 12 home games because I think they've really carried the team in some times where there has been a lull. And that's what we're supposed to do. Mr Payton, anything to add? I agree, I agree with all of that. I think, I think uh, you know, if you're a real fan, you go and the 90 minutes, you get behind, you enjoy, you live the dreams. And maybe you reset your expectation. I still think, you know, Thierry Henry scoring that goal right at the end in the cup game, that was one of the Emirates' best moments. The yeah. energy came out of that. Now, in a way, that, you know, that was good and bad in that. Um, but you, you do reorganise to it. The only other thing I'd say on that atmosphere, I mean, if ever you could turn the clock back, that five minutes against Spurs when we were 2-0 down, mm. that was like an out-of-body experience. <laughs> I mean, where we were then, it was kind of like people were numb. I think some people felt, are we staying here? Is this Wenger's last ever game? We're going to mm-hmm. get torn apart by Spurs at home. There was that element, we are creating chances. There was the element that, you know, if you one game where you don't disintegrate is against Spurs and you feel you've got to hold it together I mean thank God in a way it started to turn around so quickly and everyone knew where to take it but for a few minutes it was just I just didn't almost know what was meant to happen what the rules were where it was heading and in a way thank God it took people just it was extraordinary but it's been, I do think that it's been better this year partly because of the adversity the roller coaster. It, it, it's been a pleasure this year to have two games like that and the other one was beating Milan 3-0 I mean mm. I don't know about you guys I haven't had anything in the new ground where you're 3-0 up at half time got a chance of going through uh, at, uh, in the second half and the entire ground is silent at half time because you're all standing there going I can't believe this is fucking <laughs> yeah. happening yeah. this is it because me and my brother just sit there next to each other going seriously 
Uh, for a start, I haven't set this on my fucking sky plus, but I'm absolutely <laughs> gutted. I've also but got a theory here. The crowd got a bit quieter because mm. I think you get nervous. Yeah. I think yeah. to start absolutely. with, it was a bit of a laugh. And everyone's getting behind the team and go for it. Suddenly, in a way, it got more it tense, got yeah, and I'm people let people start to groan a bit more because they're <laughs> tense, and all of that is it's. It's and I, I laid down, me and some friends laid down some silly bets as well if I, if I sort of got through that night. The amount of things I'd have had to have done. <laughs> well, it was funny, but the whole day on Twitter was I believe. And, you know, it was just such a piss take, seven. You know, people were just generally having so much fun with it, and then it got real, and then you're waiting for the punch in the face with a goal, and you're waiting, weren't you? I sat there shitting it. I, said, then, I was walking to, walking to the ground from, from Highbury Station, and we were going past uh, a lab book. She said, I'm just going to put some money on us going through. I said, what, what price they are? He said, okay, 80 to 1. I said, okay, I'll give you 500 to 1. It's not a half time, I'll be shitting myself. He had a turn along with me. Uh, on that note, we're going to take another short break before recording our third and final podcast of the evening. But for those of you who have just caught this one, if you want to email us anything related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashorts.com. So with that, this is your host, David Udo, bidding you farewell with my thanks for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company, way.